0: how
1: we start the podcast this monday
0: <laughs> <laughs> something funny
1: did i miss something that's yeah. what happens before the music starts people this is a podcast it's not live radio although we've done that before
0: yes yes we once did. before
1: it was a long time ago and we have very many fond memories here on game of owns
0: fond memories are all that shall and will exist uh for that show but hey we gave it a try and you know what i think we really outdid ourselves with the live show but uh we actually as a group have a surprise for you all Unless you follow us on Twitter, in which case, it's not a surprise at all.
2: I love it surprises. It was Tell sort me. of a riddle. We, we, kind were of, pretty, not. we were
0: pretty layman's about it.
2: Well, Eric set it up so well that uh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to follow that that kind of introduction, but I'll do it anyway. Just remember, it's important to breathe.
0: Yeah. And so the truth, truth will out.
2: He's still trying to talk to <laughs> him.
0: You never announce, you, come, you know, maybe if you had bells on your hat... On your helm, Sam, I could tell when you were coming in.
1: I'm not Patchface, so I don't wear bells. We don't know who that is yet, because he was never in the show. That's right,
2: but I was.
0: Oh, still
1: that's very am. true, Sam.
2: I'm going to introduce this. It's very exciting. We're going to be reading <laughs> one of my favorite books, A Clash of Kings. Starting <laughs> now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, everybody, pull out your books, grab your spectacles and reading glasses, and if you still think that you don't need them, take a look at the words on the screen. How was if it's it? Blurry? It was that a good know, intro? Sam. It was a great intro, Sam. Thank you. It was
0: great. If it's Thank blurry, you Zach.
2: Eric,
1: no problem. Go fuck yourself. Sam
0: <laughs> okay, is he gone? I can never tell because these guys does not wear bells. So is he just lingering? Is he waiting to say something again over top of me? Because you know that. That really pisses me off. Oh, this one talks (laughs) about
1: speaking over other people. I was trying to make some really run-of-the-mill joke about blurry text and needing reading glasses, but there's no need to do that because you have Game of Owns by your side. That's us, and we're revisiting something that we did last year when the show began after the second season, which we did cover at the beginning of the show, and we had this huge, months-long period of time to mix and mingle with you guys in a form of our show that some of you may not be familiar with yet. Boys, boys. Let's say we tell them.
0: I am excited. I am very, very, very pleased and excited and thrilled for the off-season. The off-season, in a way, for the Game of Thrones HBO show is more like an on-season for our ability to read and get into the books. Uh, Of course, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, George R. R. Martin. And this is why I'm so excited, because for today's episode, we read the prologue, which is a good deal longer. Than most of the chapters. If actually, it's just it's so long, but also so wonderful. And this is the essentially making progress in the show in the series allows us to read further. Um, we certainly don't want to read to the point where we're learning a whole lot about what happens next. But the books are so much fuller, and we find this with 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 many things in the literary world. Um, the books are meant you know, to be enjoyed and they're quite enjoyable of their own. And that's why we like to get into them and also talk about them. It's still, it's like breathing new life for, for just the TV viewers and uh, getting more sides to all the characters that we know and love watching on TV. Um, but through the book and how they were originally meant to be conceived.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty cool for those of you that are show viewers and haven't quite jumped into the books. Uh, We've gotten emails, we've gotten comments, we've gotten reviews even over the past year that coincided with our read-along of the first book last year and just filled with people saying, I wasn't going to read it, now I knew I had friends to read it with, meaning us, so I'm gonna read it. We actually just got one recently. It's really fun to be able to be a part of this sort of global reread of the second book that we're gonna be pushing forward. So today, like Eric said, we're gonna be talking about the prologue, let you guys get ready, but Wednesday we do start on chapter one and basically all this entails is the same exact thing you've been hearing, except we're talking about a chapter of the show. It's actually what sparked the idea for us to change the show from being weekly to three days weekly because we wanted to dedicate each episode to a chapter and allow the book to move forward at a decent pace. So basically, um, depending on special episodes and yada, 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 um, generally in this off-season, depending on what crazy thing that we're doing, this week or next week, there will be three chapters a week, but it's fun to keep up along and it's pretty easy to do so as well.
0: No, very much so. And, uh, you know, one thing to, to keep in mind, if you haven't yet uh, picked up a George R. R. Martin book, um, there are roughly 70 chapters uh, in each of the books uh, over close to or over a thousand pages of each, and they're not numbered. So it may throw well, the, you off a little bit. The pages are
2: numbered. The, chapters uh, the well,
0: okay. The pages are numbered. The <laughs> chapters are not numbered. <laughs> right. Um, and and so it's basically each chapter is a different point of view. The prologue uh, is is simply that it is a prologue. It's it's you can I guess it can be said to be from Meister Crescent's point of view. But um, you know it's just kind of a, a lead into the book. But, you know, some people get a little thrown off by the fact that there's, you know, no chapter numbers or anything like that. So we're going to try and make it as clear as possible what chapter we are on. Um, there are web uh, – there's well, there's one web link uh, in particular that I'm thinking of on a wiki of Ice and Fire where it basically numbers the chapters and then numbers them based on who how many per, times that person's had a point of view or something like that. So – We'll kind of point you to that link as we go along and make sure that uh, everybody's on the same page, literally, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, across versions and, and chapters and everything, it can be a little confusing. Um, but it, it's not very difficult to find the prologue for A Clash of Kings. Uh, what a wonderful Prologue, it is because isn't it on the very first page?
1: It is. Well, there's a few pages before.
0: (laughs) Depending on what copy you get. George
1: George says in the front, I forget who the name is, but for the sharing of lots of meat and mead. And I was like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) (laughs) So this is great because if some of you haven't quite thought about jumping into the book yet, This is a fun time to do it because you're doing it at a decent pace. You're doing basically three chapters a week, barring special episodes. So we can all do it. It's just a little bit of
0: stuff and it's fun. And all we're trying to do really is present the views and opinions for, for what two of us are, you know, the first time reading this book, but we've, we've seen the TV series. We know, you know, generally the characters, how stuff goes down, but this is our perspective reading the books. And it's an enlightening experience. And Micah, who has, Already read this book. I'm sure you are just as excited to be getting back into them. Yeah, definitely. I think
2: that it's always good to reread and to realize what you've forgotten uh because in books that are this massive, there're definitely pieces of information that can be forgotten and having spent so much time now with the HBO series, you you tend to take that for being the gospel and you don't necessarily you know have every single thing that has happened in the book committed to memory to say, oh, they didn't include that. Oh, they didn't include that. But when you go back and you reread, you forget how much is actually in the text and how much detail is given and how many scenes there are that just can't make it from a timing standpoint to uh, the television screen. So I'm really looking forward to this reread. I enjoyed the prologue. One thing to mention about the prologue is, if it's any indication, now we've had two books, right, that have started off with somebody, if not multiple people, dying. So <laughs> it's not good to be included in the prologue. I was going to say uh, if that you're was the a point stretch. of view character.
0: But uh, yeah, no, that's I, I suppose that's quite true. Prologue doesn't bode well. Yes, death it happens. Some books, it happens more often. Um, but what I did not expect out of the prologue, and this, you know, again, if this is the last, my kind of my last effort to sell this to people who might not want to read in this prologue for Clash of Kings, you get the backstory of Stannis, a lot of stuff about Dragonstone. You meet Shireen. You meet Salise. I mean, hello, this is the middle of season three introductory characters being introduced the beginning of book two.
1: We do love these books. This is the second book. And for those of you that have been with us since the very beginning of this podcast, you will know that we took a long arduous caravan wagon flagon driven salt cured meat I don't know (laughs) journey through the first (laughs) book last year we completed it it was fun many of you read along with this and we are none but more excited to be doing this again with everyone so the off season as Eric so eloquently stated earlier I I literally almost busted out laughing when you said it it's like welcome to the on season everybody
0: (laughs) where we get to talk about Game of Thrones you know this I mean we can't read during the during this season yeah, and yeah. you know we can't read ahead either we've chosen not to <laughs> well even say. during this
1: off the on season excuse me we can't <laughs> read at a normal pace we're reading you know it's pieces true. pieces as the show comes out so join us on this journey as a show that we take together and see how it plays out because it should be interesting so
0: do you guys think Patchface is possessed by the red god i don't
1: and that's how we begin our
0: discussion with <laughs> clash of kings <laughs> Let's wow. uh yeah do we go I guess we I think gave he's some, possessed
2: by the red god.
0: We gave some um summary I guess when we did this. We'll we'll find our feet again about this whole thing. But yeah, no, his near-death experience, you know, the the shipwreck that brought him to Dragonstone um seemed to have taken more than just his life out of him. Um you know, he used to be witty and fun and intelligent and smart and you know, he Three days at sea, later, and he's washing up on the shores of Dragonstone, and he's a cripple of what he once was, except now he talks in riddles that are slightly cryptic. And uh, I would see malicious in nature uh, a little later on when it comes to Meister (laughs) Crescent and he. So I'm thinking that he had some kind of experience at the bottom of the ocean and uh, he might be possessed. I thought he got molested by a mermaid. (laughs) Right. uh, What was it he exchanged for for his seed? Oh, his life. That's a theory. Yeah, a theory. There's
1: gossip going around Dragonstone that Patchface traded away some of his seed. That's his sperm for a life. Because apparently he spent three days at the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, throughout this chapter, he was given those little, oh, in the water, like, you fall up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, th- and then later on, there's, there's, there's more teases basically about the death of the bottom of the ocean. And this is cool to learn this about Patchface, even in this prologue. Because if you guys remember with our episode with Brian, I mean, Br- uh, Micah, you knew a whole lot about this person. But Eric and I had never heard of him. So when everyone's no. like, you have left Patchface out of it, it's like, oh, well, here we go. Now we know he's cool. I wish he would have been in it now.
0: No. No, oh, I can I can see immediately why they cut him. Well, no, I can't see. I can see in my mind's eye why they would cut him out. He's got patched tattoos red and green all over his body from Sounds his like slaving years. Yeah, he would just look really ugly. It would be it would be like Darth Maul on Game of Thrones, essentially. And it would uh that would that would take people completely out of it. Not to mention he speaks in riddles, which can be only annoying um unless unless you're Yoda. Let's face it. If Yoda weren't <laughs> such a cute muppet, you would want to punch him in the face.
1: Hey, and- muppet! Patent pending. Oh,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, yeah, he's, whoa. A, Patton, he's a yes, hand yes, puppet, yes, of course. No, no, no. I think it was obviously whatever it is that Patchface does amount to. They've they've tried to do it in other ways that aren't him. But I kind of like that he's just this book thing. You know, he's able to take us by surprise. Well,
1: I understand why they did take him out of the show. Just judging by what I know of him so far, and the fact that he isn't in the show, he probably doesn't play any outstandingly large role in the future but in a book it's a much different level of entertainment like you're, they're feeding you entertainment differently so in the book it just enriches the experience that this guy's hopping around with our characters in a show it's like well, who the hell is that they casted someone to dance like that you know
0: <laughs> yeah but
1: no he's great i i think that it's fun meeting him and also maester Crescent and also pylos uh if that's how you say his name sounds right pylos. i can't wait to give these people nicknames too <laughs> I'm going to call him the usurper. That's what I'll call him now. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Because pretty much everybody on here who's not Stannis is uh, a threat to Stannis. Well, Crescent was getting a bit old. Uh, yes, but Cresson was pretty much raised single-handedly, it seemed, <laughs> from his interior monologue. Stannis, Robert, and Renly into the young men that they were. And this was, uh, you know... I, I forget who I was harking, ba- harking it back to. It was either Master Lewin or, or somebody else recently. But in general, these old guys just aren't, oh, it was, um, Barristan Selmy, you know, who's kicked out of court because he's too old. You know, it's just this, this, uh, this feeling, this hatred, this, uh, ageist attitude towards old men who can no longer, uh, necessarily do their duties. They're very unceremoniously, uh, undignifiably, cut off except he does try to poison Melisandre so i can see why he died but still
2: but he has such a love for stannis and he sees that stannis is going to him in the wrong direction he does not much like davos uh, you know, we see in in multiple seasons distrust this woman this priestess he feels as if he's being led astray and you know, he tries multiple times to give him counsel and to tell him, look, why not join forces with the Starks? Why not treat with your brother Renly? You know, if you would do these things, these sensible things, you could find a way to overthrow the Lannisters in King's Landing. But for whatever reason, whether it's because of the hold that Melisandre has over Selyse, whether it's the means in which she's been able to get inside of Stannis's mind, we, we really don't know. She just has completely captivated Stannis and, and, and is leading him in this direction away from what maybe he would have considered doing at one time. I don't know. Maybe he never would have considered joining forces with the Starks or joining – forces with Renly. I mean, there's, there's that deep distaste
1: for Ned Stark that I don't think we ever saw
0: yeah. in
2: the
1: show. Absolutely not. And I was thinking the same thing as you watching the show. Like this could have been different if they would have just played their allegiance cards slightly different in the beginning, but you know, reading the book and learning a little bit more about Stannis's thoughts toward the entire manner and his resolve. I don't think that would have worked at all.
0: Well, no, I mean, Stannis is, uh, I, I guess we can call him a whiner. I mean, he is whining openly. It is to Ma- my uh, Meister Cresson, who obviously knows him all his life. But, you know, he talks about how basically Robert treated Ned like a brother instead of him like a brother. And Stannis feels gypped, you know, in the line of succession. Renly got the nice place to hold. <laughs> Was it, um, Storm's End? You know, he gets, he yep. gets to hold Storm's End. So, You know, I, I just think Stannis really feels left out. He's letting, though, these, these, these women get to him. And Salise, uh, especially is the one who comes up to him and says, what, you're gonna beg Ned Stark and Lysa Aaron, you're gonna, you're gonna beg to these people, you're gonna grovel. And really sinks in that, that he is the master of his own destiny. And, and uh, I guess if you tell that to a man who feels you know, like he's been mistreated for long enough, he'll start believing it. And, you know, this is just kind of the thing. This is what the the waves on the shore do to you, you know, against stone is, is it kind of saps the, the fun out of everything.
1: I didn't see this coming as far as Sleese is concerned. I would have thought the introduction of the wife of such a hard stoic man would have been maybe soft, like the one that we saw in the television show. But instead, basically, Selyse Baratheon, for all intents and purposes in this prologue, was Melisandre, too. You know, yeah. she was exactly yep. the same person, basically. Mm-hmm.
2: And and I think that's why, you know, when we had Brian on, he mentioned the fact that they waited to introduce her because they felt like they wanted to get Melisandre established as a character. And by bringing in Selyse, it was kind of having the same person on screen at the same time. To your point, Zach, I think that it may have been a little bit too much of this red god to to stomach at one time.
1: I do like it much better this way, though. It's It drives the point home so much more. And, you know, it's been so long. We're probably going to be doing this for the next few weeks while we get back into the group. But it's been so long since um we've deciphered these books and been into it. Probably, I think it was February or March. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to read this text again because, I mean, just the imagery in this prologue alone is is brilliant. And as a writer... This is just a really, really nice book to read as a reader. This is a really nice book to read <laughs> as a writer. He did a good job writing it. Uh, maybe see when I read books so much, you tend you to think just think. Well, no, you think better. You think better than you speak. Yeah. But if you're watching shows a lot, I don't know. None of that makes any sense. Nobody listen to anything I'm saying at all. Just continue. <laughs>
0: well, I'll go. I found it uh, extra shocking to be reading this particular prologue following the season three finale because I kept comparing Meister Crescent's rise and fall to that of Davos um or basically his course of action when he finds out and this is this is all in in rejection of Stannis attacking Renly because uh Crescent is giving him counsel in the big room with the big table which I'll you know love that amazing description, that table yes. amazing completely amazing he's giving him counsel and Stannis is all like okay I'm going to go kill Renly or whatever I'm going to have it done and if it needs to happen it will happen and Crescent can't believe it and he decides right then and there that he's going to uh lash out you know against these red people who are uh poisoning Stannis's mind and he goes and does that with poison uh which backfires when you know they, when uh, it turns south and Melisandra somehow survives it so i compared it to davos who in the finale didn't want renly or didn't want gendry to to die to be killed and sent him away and decided to basically do the same thing he's already tried to stab Melisandra for for being a poisoning <laughs> influence on Stannis. so these two characters and 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 the fact that they interacted it some bit in this 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 chapter between Crescent and Davos. I just looked at Davos in the book as if I were standing in that, in that hall where they were all eating. And I was like, Oh, you're next. Like you're the next guy who's going to try and do this. Um, You just don't know it yet. It's
2: an interesting point. And uh, you know, I'm trying to think back to the very beginning of season two when it aired on HBO. And I know that they did it a little bit differently. They had that scene taking place out on the beach where Stannis pulls the sword uh, out and it's on fire, and it's this big deal. And you see cresson and and Davos kind of standing on by the wayside, and then it eventually moves into more of the scene that we see in this prologue. But I found it these people that are very close to Stannis, Davos, Cresson have tried to tell him that this woman is what's the phrase again, Eric?
0: crazier than a shit house rat. <laughs> there you exactly. go. Exactly. Those and playing the game of game of thrones drinking game, please have a glass.
2: They don't seem to have any impact on him. So I wonder is he under some kind of trance? Is he in because she drank poison. She didn't die. The old guy drank poison. He died. <laughs> he did. So there's something that some
1: mystical component to Melisandre.
0: Fire cleanses, Micah, didn't you read? (laughs) No, this is
1: clearly a a case of princess bride syndrome, you know, where clearly the poison's in this glass, clearly it's in this glass, but guess what? The poisoner doesn't have an immunity to the Tears of Lys, which Mm. really, really, really cool backstory on this particular killing device, if you would read the chapter, it's pretty cool. But um, Melisandre, obviously, yes, has some kind of... I don't know magic that protects her from dying by way of throat tightening up to the, the size strangler. of a strangle. Yeah, the strangler, as they call it around these parts. Uh, don't drink the strangler; he'll kill you. So she didn't die. So kill you is just magic. You think it's? I mean, fire cleanses is basically saying the same thing.
0: Well, you know she's what I mean? got yeah, she's got the fire within her. Like her her being is protected against most poisons because she's a servant of the light. But here again, and this isn't just in the prologue. For Clash of Kings, um, we see pretty much what we've seen on the show recently is that the Red God gets shit done. He is not afraid to make his presence an active part of these people's lives, of his followers' lives. Whether it's bringing Beric Dundarian back to life, who got a shout out in this chapter, by the way, um, you know, multiple times, seven or eight different times, uh, or was that Thoris of Mirror? One of them was bringing the other one back to life. But anyway, um, you know, whether it's that or preventing Melisandre from being poisoned, you know, this god, whatever he is, whoever he is, this entity, is making shit happen, and it's really hard to to disagree with that. It's really hard to um say you're not gonna follow this guy if you even take a moment to just see the kind of stuff that he's apparently performing.
1: Which is why there was no repercussions for Crescent dying at the end of this chapter prologue thing. I mean, Stannis sees Melisandre as a ticket to a better path. I mean, um, this kind of goes back to Steve Atwell's email from last episode that we recorded. But, you know, he truly believes that this is his role. He has called all of his banners. And a lot of this chapter was uh, dealing with the fact that a lot of the stronger people ended up declaring their love, as they call it, for Renly instead much like they did for Robert and <laughs> blah 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 and i feel so bad for stannis because you know you i for me i really didn't get much of a broad picture on his character from the show but reading the book uh, i can see so much more how this person can be construed as a as a as a really well-liked character because where he f- lacks in charisma he makes up with his regard and his just mm you know he 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 wants to work.
0: I guess I was just surprised to find all of the backstory. I guess in this prologue like even when Davos and Stannis are talking right before Blackwater in season 2 of the TV show it's at the end of season 2 and they have this talk about how the the holdfast how Stannis was and his men were all you know starving to death essentially before Davos came and saved the day with his onions and swordfish I think it is. Um you know all that stuff is in this backstory right here at the beginning of this book and I was just blown away because not only is it brilliant writing and a great story it gives you a real sense of these characters that you're about to meet um, but in general it just it, it it happened so soon I'm like well if if the first 30 pages have this information what you know what are the next couple pages going to do and, and so this is kind of the thing where I, I guess book one was you know season one was a lot more you know linearly faithful to The book, whereas, you know, book, book two, season two, we're going to get a little bit of a difference here and there. And, you know, that backstory of Stannis and Davos, the absence of Shireen and Selise and Patchy, um, you know, are all, are all the same same thing. So yeah, Patchy. Um, by the way, I'm going to call, uh, Stannis's wife Mustachio. Nastasia um, Hey, she plucks
1: daily. Okay, she Eric. She plucks
0: daily and still curses it because it keeps right. going back. It's well, just listen. Too much I have that same
1: problem. Okay, yeah. and it yeah. sucks. So. I have to shave a few times a day just to keep this perfectly smooth skin. But, but yeah, anyway, you get what I'm saying. So, <laughs> yeah. so
0: I think I think we're going to be in for a lot more. If I can prognosticate a little bit here, I think we're in for a little bit more surprises than we found in the first book, and that's that's even that's, that's even better. Oh, I I'm looking forward fair.
1: to it. Yeah, fair. no, it's going to be cool. I hate to bring this up randomly, but um, <laughs> I did think it was brilliant in this prologue when Davos was first introduced, knowing, and I know that he's a, a point of view character, but it was interesting to get a juxtaposed look and outside perspective on who we, are wi- who we will now look through the eyes of when Maester Cresson was... Having his internal dialogue as Davos walked up and they explained basically his entire history. And it's cool reading it in the book because you get to really, really learn that he wasn't just a smuggler, but he was the best smuggler. In the Seven mm-hmm. Kingdoms, like he was a badass, and when Stannis knighted him, you know now he he chose a name Seaworth and he picked out his own banner and stuff. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh God, you know, like old time graphic designers, like, well, do you want the gray field with the boat? He's <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, but can you put an onion on the sail? Like, it's cool.
0: No, it's That's good. Three colors. That's twenty percent extra. <laughs> yeah,
1: really per copy. That sucks. We. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's great. And I'm really excited to get back into the books. And um, this went a lot like the beginning of the first episode in the second season, you know, with, with minor changes, changes, obviously, because that's how it goes. And
2: I like how this book opens up on Dragonstone. You're in a completely different area than you were ever in in season one. And you heard a lot about Stannis towards the end of last book. And now all of a sudden, here you are, Seeing him through the eyes of Maester Cressen, you can tell that he's going to be a major player now moving forward, and you're being introduced to all of these new characters. It's it's a great way to start things
1: off. It's a great way to start off our uh, our read of this on Game of Thrones. We're going to read A Clash of Kings because it's a book for kings and everyone who listens you're all kings and queens.
0: You know I thought about that the fact that the fact that the first book is game of thrones second book clash of kings and then it goes off and other stuff like I was thinking like each book's focus is, is in fact slightly different, right? The game of thrones was focused basically, basically mostly in King's Landing. The clash of kings, you know, knowing what I do from season 2 that it ends with blackwater is really a, just a, a, a coming together for all of the would-be potentials to the throne. Um, you know, but, but who these kings are, like we met Stannis in the darn prologue. Um, you know, he will be clashing with the Lannisters. He will be clashing with his brother Renly. All of these are the contenders, you know, the clash of kings. So I, I just think that this book, you know, will be focused on whoever the, the contenders are. And I'm, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about them. I'm just thrilled.
1: Kind of like how the first book started off north of the wall and we got to see some scary people covered in snow or that looked like snow or that smelled like snow or that was <laughs> as cold as snow. Something like snow. All it's I just can different. think of is
0: yellow snow right now. That's yeah. <laughs> from South Park,
1: the video game. It, it was a lot like that in this intro where it was taken out of context, but um, it's going to be in context later. And I think that is going to be an interesting thing to move forward through. Our next chapter is I just turned the page to take a look. I haven't read any of it yet, but the book literally goes right into Arya. Just boom. I can only imagine the wait between the the release of this book And the first book, because that must have been uh, a really, really hard time for a lot of you guys listening. But we got to learn a lot about the history of this actual place, Dragonstone, and why Stannis was sent there instead of Renly. Basically, long story short, Renly was too young to command a place so greenly captured from the Targaryens. So they were like, Stannis, you go take care of this place. And I would have seen that as an honor, you know? Mm, Yeah. Or something like that, depending on how terrible it was. But the number one crowning feature of this place is not its giant buildings jutting out of the rocks in the sea. It's actually this giant 50-foot table that is, oh. that, is <laughs> that is carved into an exact replica of Westeros, which I would like to have inside of my home, please.
0: I would like that as well. They got a better home and garden, better get to... Uh... You know, the Game of Thrones uh, copyrights and start selling uh, or manufacturing these tables. I'm telling you. Maybe like a less less to scale, like half scale, quarter scale. I'm
1: just wondering where you buy your tables, Eric.
0: Oh, pure peer, peer, peer one imports, then oh, better, I see. better get Kohl's. to the, the, the rights. To Kohl's. I buy my tables at Kohl's. Yeah. That's where Stanis buys his slacks. You know it is. So, I'm always in the
1: market for a new table, though. You can never have too many tables.
0: Yeah, well, I know what Micah's own of this chapter is going to be. It's going to be those gargoyles that he wanted to put in there. Uh, owning the table that you just mentioned is being cool. Um, but I agree, man. The table was awesome. The fact that it's... Uh, basically, they said, "What the, there's only one chair. It's it's uh, up to fifty feet long, four feet wide at some points, and twenty five feet wide at others. Shaped just like Westeros. The chair is where the Dragonstone is, and all the areas are painted. It's a big strategy map. Definitely the perfect." Uh what to get the man who has everything but is often brooding yeah. uh, that he doesn't have enough power. Um the man who wants more. So
1: I need this table. We just need a table of the United States of America and I'm just gonna plot. Just look around <laughs> like mm, Arkansas, you know, just plot places. That that'd be fun. Good good for Stannis. Just make sure. I know it's called the Painted Table.
2: Uh, but it may be referred to by another name after A few
0: chapters. Oh, no. From now.
2: (sighs) Probably more
0: like 20 or 30 chapters from now. You know, I like the fact that we learned so much about Dragonstone and the Gargoyles and things like that. And it's almost like, I I know, like you just mentioned, Zach, people were probably waiting to figure out what are Arya's reactions to what has just happened with Ned. You know, and it's like, clearly that's chapter one. But before that, you have this long prologue and you learn about Patchface. And I, I don't know if it was like, for readers, if it was... Uneasy. I listened to the audiobook actually of this of this prologue, and I have to say that the narrator uh does a tremendous job, but that Patchy's voice is, is, is pretty irritating after a while. Um you know, in a good way, but I, I just think it's nice for him to take us into this land of make believe in such a grand historical Stop way. Um oh yeah sorry um non fiction uh, oh, yeah. in, into this into this 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 way and then of course he he, he didn't make them wait too long but uh, i mean arya is the first actual chapter but i like that this prologue exists um and it seems to be set back away's in time almost you know from from everything else so i i just i think it was a really smart choice i like the fact that it appears in this book and i'm thrilled to have you know, started our chapter discussion with this. It's, it's, it's really interesting because it didn't, I guess it contained an element of the supernatural. I wanted to make the point that the first book also did with the White Walkers, Um, you know, and this is obviously a different kind of magic. So I just wonder if that tradition will follow suit in book three.
1: It's definitely interesting to begin people off with slightly suspension of disbelief because we don't really know what's going on with Melisandre if you haven't watched the show. So, uh, putting myself in the shoes of someone in the past reading this book for the first time (spoilers excluded), damn, this is a good book. <laughs> damn. <laughs> oh god. Well, I guess Eric's own of the episode then would be the prologue itself.
0: Jokes excluded. Um, I'm gonna have to say, uh, you know unfortunately um the was it was it the strangler uh owned um crescent his own his own tools against him so unfortunately um also th- the fact that the strangler is cured so delicately and crafted so carefully i thought that was really awesome to read about how it um begins as a plant and eventually crystallizes i was blown away um by all that information. So I I would say my own goes to the Strangler.
1: And that's how babies are made, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to give my own of the episode to a one Mr. Patchface for being the fool of the royal court now uh, as the king of Westeros resides. And you ran into and toppled over And basically almost rebroke the hip of his maester at the time. who wasn't quite yet fired. And everyone just laughed and continued to tell more jokes. No one got in trouble. So good on you, Patchface, for not being executed. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give my own of the prologue to
2: the White Raven for letting Uh everybody know that winter is coming. Mm.
0: (laughs) Pretty bird. (laughs) You got a
2: unique perspective. From Maester Cresson when he was talking about the fact that, you know, summer was coming to a close and, you know, it's a little bit of backstory. We we touched on the fact that we get a lot of backstory in this prologue, but, you know, that when White Ravens are sent out from Old Town, that that means that summer's over and the winter is ahead. And it's uh it's just that little bit of information that doesn't necessarily need to be in there, but it's in there.
1: Well, couple that with the comet streaking across the sky, a large tail of red.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: With all of these people prophesizing, and that's what we've heard all last book as well. So starting off the second book with the bang. Hey, guys, there's a murder. There's a poison. There's a lady we don't like. Winter is still coming. Basically, it's what it's all saying. That's pretty cool. Right. And they said that this was an abnormally long summer, which usually
2: means that it's just as long, if not longer, of a winter. So that's not good. I just thought that it was cool how despite the fact that here we are on Dragonstone in a new place, Zach mentioned the comment, the fact that we had poison, we had magic, we had murder, that's still deeply rooted within this prologue is exactly what we got in the first prologue that winter is coming and that this huge threat is still out there and it's it ties back into you know sort of the end of season three with the real war now being made apparent to stannis as well as the other kings that are still alive and i think that that's the overarching theme it's that phrase that people just can't get enough of saying they say it over and over and over
1: again but when's lunch (laughs) you know so I like that Yeah. normally this is the place where we would say so what did you think about the prologue did something own was Patchface patchy (coughs) was Stannis Stanny well if they were either of those things you could have told us on Twitter or Facebook or email but unfortunately we didn't give you any warning that this prologue was coming this is in fact your first and only time away from owns. You have a free pass for the next few days to enjoy, to get yourself accustomed to this new book read and just prepare your bodies because it'll, it'll start on Wednesday and we will be ready
0: for them. It has begun. I thought of Shang Tsung. Shang (laughs) Tsung.
1: Your soul Um, is mine. Your
0: soul. Is mine. So if you guys are to search uh, in iTunes for, if you just type in Prologue in the store, you may come across a musical track by John Williams called Prologue from the Hook soundtrack. And all this day, when I wasn't listening to the audiobook of Prologue, I was listening to this track. <laughs> also called Prologue. Were you really? Oh, you should buy this. Jesus. Yes, you should. It's my favorite song from the Hook soundtrack called Prologue. It's basically a montage of all the, or a musical medley of all the themes from the film Hook. So I thought I'd mention that oh, uh, while you guys that... are checking out iTunes. Just piracy of you.
2: Hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of iTunes, it's uh, also a place where you can go and find Game of Owens. You can subscribe to us there. Uh, Which we would uh, greatly appreciate. You can also leave a nice little customer review uh, as well as a uh, one, two, three, four, five star. That's five. Review. Uh, So at least now the listeners know I can count as high as five. Mm -hmm. You can leave one along the lines of Princess Una, who says, nice to have something in between the seasons. Keep up the good work. Micah, you rock. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Una.
1: Does not feel weird reading praise about yourself?
2: Yeah. Usually it's about Selena um, yeah. and and her sexy voice, but mm-hmm. I'm not uh, coming across those right now. I'm sure they're in here still. Um, and I'm sure now that I mentioned that, people will send in more. Yes. Another one here from Since It's June by CSC Saw. Let me rate again. This is the best Game of Thrones podcast out there. The hosts are hilarious and are great together. I can honestly say I'm not sure who my favorite host is. Is it Selena with her awesome accent? See, I told you it was going to be here somewhere. <laughs> there it is. Or Eric with his perfect transitions. There you oh, go, Eric. Oh, <laughs> Eric. Oh, so generous. Perhaps, perhaps Zach, when it gets a little awkward <laughs> off topic and he says, this is a podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you speak Zach, of.
0: you've been found out.
2: Oh, God. maybe Micah with his rate and review threats. Or? Or? Sam. Oh, I see. Okay, never mind. Whoa. Oh, (laughs) you left Sam out? CSC saw. Okay, never mind. I've decided. It's probably Sam. And then she wraps up by saying, just kidding. Love you all. Cynthia. So, thank you, Cynthia.
1: Cynthia, you can officially have my heart in a tender wooden box. It's yours. If you can uh, find it. I left it in the iTunes review section.
2: And uh, one final review here to read from Jamie Lannister's regards. (laughs) Title, I would pay the iron price. I'm a simple man with simple tastes. Podcasts are naught but trifles to me, unworthy of my time. But Game of Owns has won my heart. Listening to these fine people tease and jest and analyze Game of Thrones is now one of the highlights of my week. Kudos to you, young podcasters, and may the Lord of Light protect you. Oh, whoa.
1: May the Lord of Light Light protect you. Listeners found this review helpful. (laughs) There you go. There you go. You see, kind people exist in the world, and they exist uh, in the listenership of this show, right? kind and smart and beautiful souls that we saw on the live stream. Listen, I'm only saying all these nice things to you guys because it's the on season and the on season, just <laughs> we have to really band together and be friends. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no show on Hollywood. All of your friends that aren't always into the show, all of your friends that don't really know what Game of Thrones is until it's time for the show to be on and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that Game of Thrones show, it's great. I love Tyrion. He's great on that show. Um, <laughs> if you're one of those people that has those friends and this show is for you, keep listening and you know, sometimes your friends might get bored. You could say, "Hey, listen, or, uh, I have this show I want to share with you," and they'll think it's something great. It's on TV. Get the popcorn. It's cool. Turn off all the lights. Chain them up to the chains that are there in your room already for some reason, and then wow. listen to our show on repeat. That is my uh, question for you all.
0: No, that's don't my act direction like you don't for have you. Change all. That, Eric.
1: Yeah, that's my direction. Please, please do that and report in by Wednesday episode.
0: Yeah, five stars. What he said. If you want to report in, you certainly can do so via our email address, contact at gameofowns.com. Though, if you can fit your report into 140 characters or less, you can always tweet at us. We're at twitter.com slash gameofowns. And if you want to join the community that we have on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash gameofowns. Very nice.
1: And remember, we read the comments on every place that it's posted. Winnerscoming.net. You know, just register a name, do all that stuff, because we're reading a new book, and it's going to be a great time. This is a podcast. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Orange
0: Viper. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, okay, I'm killing the Orange Viper. Crashed into a tree. I'm Eric Scott. <laughs> and I'm Mike Tenenbaum.
2: Remember when you used to think I didn't have any dragon glass? <laughs> <laughs>